Welcome to Marvel Cinematic University, the podcast that comes in many forms and many names, one of which is our Patreon, uh, which you find at patreon.com slash mcuniversitypod. Uh, we have, we've had, honestly, guys, you're already on here. Everyone knows we've had the best time doing this, haven't we? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Um, it, yeah. It's been a blast. And the Spider-Man 3 pod that just came out is a blast among blasts. The Spider-Man 3 pod is one of our extra pods that you get with the Patreon. Uh, we've been covering all the Spider-Man movies leading up to No Way Home. We've covered the Sam Raimi trilogy. Amazing Spider-Man 2 parter coming up in the coming months. We've also done some Mission Impossible. We've done some fun rankings. We do live video trailer reactions. Honestly, it's such a good time. And even beyond all the content that we put together, it's such a great community that we are so proud to be a part of and just so appreciative to have supporting us. So definitely, if you're interested in this pod and everything uh, around that, give it a give it a look. But today we are covering uh, something on the main. And uh, it's honestly, I, I, I think even I think it's still underrated to this point how exciting it is to actually cover a Marvel movie. A Marvel movie that we can all say that we have watched in the theater, separate theaters, of course, like we all don't live in the same spot, but actually get to <laughs> see in a theater, which is like fantastic. Um, those two other people uh, are, are part of our OG3. I'm going to start off with Super Producer Jake Christie. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Uh, I am back in the state of Florida briefly where I saw the film that we're talking about mm -hmm. and I'm um, excited to talk about it. Yeah. And uh, of course, a belated Happy birthday to one Anthony Canton III. AC, how are you, buddy? Thank you. Thank you. I really do appreciate that. And also, I've been sitting on talking about this movie for a couple of weeks now, so I am raring to go. You you have been sitting on it for a minute because our boy here, AC, is, you know, he, he's, he's just like one of those inside media members that gets the early looks at the movies <laughs> and gets the exclusive interviews with Fala Chen, which you can check out. Where can we check that out, AC? You can check that at murphysmultiverse.com. Um, did a nice interview with Fala Chen. What a delightful person to speak to regarding her relationship, not only with Wen Wu, Tony Leung, and mm -hmm. just her general process in, in uh, filming this movie, which was really, really cool to talk about. Completely. And the movie we are talking about is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, guys, I was so excited coming out of that movie um if there was any movie for me personally because uh as you all know um it was my first trip back to the theaters uh in years now I, I couldn't think of a better experience to go into I saw it in IMAX I had such a good time watching it um everything I was excited about uh going in I was super happy about coming out too um it's the, between the excitement of that, being back in a the theater, having a Marvel film back in what feels, with all due respect to Black Widow, like a Marvel film back, like in full form, um, I I don't even know how to rank this. Like, we'll talk about it later, but mm -hmm. it's just, it's so, the excitement of all that together, I'm going to have to look at it down the line, but I loved it so much. Let's get initial thoughts around the board. AC, you have been the person who's been waiting the longest to get to talk about it, so you let us know. How do you feel about the movie Shang-Chi? I, I was stunned, really stunned, because I expected a, a pretty good movie. And, and seeing it and coming after it, I didn't know that I was going to be so emotionally enthralled with not only the characters, but the story. Mm -hmm. And there is just something to be said about 
the performances of the main family in the film, whether you want to talk to Simu Liu, uh, Menger Zhang, uh, Fala Chen, who I uh, mentioned, and uh, Tony Leung as Wenwu, like the four of them, that core four, uh, really carried the movie in so many ways that made it so, so interesting. They were all mm-hmm. interesting people to kind of dissect and analyze and. And then you take you take yourself out of that aspect and then you think about the fight choreography and how well that was how well that was done. And obviously some of the comedy stuff and the ancillary things. And you fit that all around the fact that the trailers hid so many things like there were just certain parts of this movie that, oh, I was not expecting act three to turn into what it turned to, which we'll get in a good way. It felt like it sold it short. Yeah, like yeah. I'm thinking, like okay, we're gonna get some martial arts and mm-hmm, we get mm-hmm. the nice little bus scene and whatever. We got some good fighting, and then Act Three turns into something completely different. And and I think if you look at just co- combining all those things, it kind of also tells you how far the MCU has come in making films because this mm-hmm. was just an example of those all of those things. Like if you think about from Phase One going to now, how how much more tight and efficient some of these scenes are and just the level of bold you know yeah i don't think you can be as successful like i don't think you can be this bold with a movie unless you're as successful as a marvel has been yeah i feel like they've been working out the kinks uh Mm -hmm. you know definitely at the there's a real confidence in how i feel like the execution was in this yeah and that and that definitely helps a lot and like i'll just close out initial thoughts here is the fact that I had to slump in my chair and be embarrassed that I shaded Iron Man 3 so much uh, was you a testament your official, to do you, do you want to yeah, get to it right I, now? Let's get to, yeah, it. Let's get to an official statement. So, I mean, <laughs> obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, that means you must have seen the film already. If you haven't, then I say go watch a film, then come back and join us over here. But we... One thing that we knew about Shang-Chi that we should have expected in one form or another is a connection to a character that many people have felt was very underserved due to his depiction in one Iron Man 3. The arch nemesis, the true adversary to Iron Man, one Mandarin, for those who don't know, was a bait and switch that turned into Trevor Slattery played by Ben Kingsley uh, a lot of people, I think this is where a real divide happens, because I think a lot of people were very uh, into the idea of, you know, th- they found it like kind of a clever move that way. But there were a lot of people who were very true to the comics that felt extremely cheated. And for anyone who has been following Marvel this whole time, and definitely anyone who has followed this podcast, it has been a long running bit that Iron Man 3 is the bane of one Anthony Canton. The I would say existence. it's I would say for this part, it is the bit. Like it is the alpha and omega of bits. I would say it is. Yes, that is fair to say. If if there's one thing that is like the most consistent and also probably the most rooted in actual truth, like there there is a point, there is a line that we have not figured out where this, like at one point he was legitimately upset about it and then it became a bit and we don't know where we sit at this point. (laughs) But all that said, there is a scene that happens where our uh, characters are in, are locked up in the cave and they hear some singing, some music coming from a particular room. And as they walk in, AC, who makes his 
and I'm going to say it right now, triumphant return to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Trevor Slattery is back, and he was absolutely hilarious. He was absolutely tremendous. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest thing that happened to serve him returning is them all sitting down at the dinner table and Wen Wu just embarrassing the hell out of me. As I slump in my chair, I will, I will say, like the you academics gif, where <laughs> you I just tease this uh, to us because you saw it before us. And I will say, um, you should not feel in any way like you have egg on your face from this. If anything, no. it is it was the most reasonable, um, understandable, like not even treading back, not even uh, kind of like in your face. We've been planning this all along, but just a very logical extension of what happened so um ac i'm gonna go back to you so how do they explain everything that we have seen so far when it comes to the mandarin the ten rings and all those things so far uh, as depicted in the iron man movies well, well i mean i think i think where we should immediately just kind of go straight to because i think anybody who's seen iron man 3 uh knows that Trevor and the original Slatter- iron man let's not Forget oh, the original Iron Man, yeah. The, yeah. the obviously the Ten Rings was more. I mean, it was more of an extremist group. Uh, mm-hmm. If we take it an back, appropriation to of sorts, if anything. Yeah, and um, so we have that, but we don't really know who's actually behind it at the time. So mm-hmm. anytime you get Ten Rings, you think Mandarin. So of course, you know, after Iron Man, you get to Iron Man three, and. And in the trailers and in the movie, Completely. it's hyped up that Ben Kingsley is playing the Mandarin and he's this terrorist form. So it didn't even have to be like a mystical thing no. uh, for me because I'm like watching Iron Man 3 and I'm enjoying this performance by uh, Ben King- Kingsley. Like I'm watching the first hour and like, yo, this is like really chilling stuff. He's really he's killing menacing. it right now. He's, yeah, it's a great it's it's a great performance for sure. <laughs> yes, it's a great performance. Which some of us might argue makes the twist even a a better performance at that point but yes, some, we, of I will digress. some of us might some, some yeah some of us <laughs> might have said that at the time some of us might have been like ah oh, come on man like what are we doing <laughs> here i was just i just remember seeing it for the first time and being so frustrated and annoyed mm-hmm. about it and and it's funny never really talked about it until i mean anybody who's a listener can go back to that initial iron man three pod that we did I think <laughs> or I went any on like podcast a, we have recorded since that too <laughs> like th- th- that too that's a big part of this too so yeah i've been it's been on my mind for a long time so like coming into this movie when they mm-hmm. cast tony leung as as who they call uh when aka the mandarin or whatever like i'm excited I'm like, okay. i would say like the, we come out of this like he is not the mandarin the no, Mandarin he's is, not. The thing yeah. I liked about it is that they that there is no real Mandarin. And I actually liked that they basically point out that like they kind of mock Aldrich Killian in Iron Man 3, but also like yes. sort of the writers in the 70s, the white writers, where it's like yes, only a white person would think that the Mandarin, which it doesn't mean like orange in Chinese, obviously, isn't that the thing that it, it's also make? language? It, yeah, it's like means, all of it. Yeah, but it's, yeah. But it's like yeah. a super generic Chinese word. Only a right, white yes. person would think that that was a good name for a terrorist. Yeah. And so, like, yeah. they're kind of like, no, there's no, yeah, one like Mandarin. with his like partner Hong Kong or something. Exactly. Like yeah. Um, yeah. And, and just to finish out on that mm-hmm. point, because uh, there's a lot of great stuff to talk about with this movie, like, if you really just think about after when we explains it, um, I'm like, damn, damn, I ain't got nothing. I got nothing <laughs> left. I can't say nothing anymore. Well, they, well expl- I, I was- they explain it in a way where like at least I know comic book fans are just generally like 
we can mm -hmm. be a little too hands-on and want things to be the exact right way and the yeah. exact perfect way. But I do think in this instance, I found that the explanation was logical. And then you could even appreciate uh, Trevor Slattery's performance in this one. And it kind of gives you like a nice wraparound from Iron Man 3 to the present. I agree. Um, I mean, like for all the bit, like for as long as the bit um, has been in us going through it, whenever we got anywhere close to like an actual conversation about it, uh, that was always really the pushback I had for you when you were so slighted about it, because it's it's one thing to, yes, be upset with the depiction of that character. But my question was always like, what do you want him to be then on screen? Because the Mandarin is such a stereotypical, problematic character to put on screen that there's no form that you could have done it that wouldn't have come off as just like, just a really terrible depiction of any Asian shame. or Chinese culture. So <laughs> the fact that they, to Jake's point exactly, um, they explain it in a way to not only fit within the fictional universe that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but also kind of be its own criticism of what depiction of the character has been in comics. I think they really cleaned it up so nicely. And oh, they nailed it. of all the people to deliver that monologue, to have Tony Leung do it in the way he did was just pitch perfect. Jeff um, kisses his fingers. But let's get to the film, guys. So <laughs> oh, you know, I, I know that we had a huge digression, but I did not get to say my initial thoughts. <laughs> let's get your okay, fine, fine. Let's <laughs> no, get to your thoughts about this. No, sure, 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 sure. That because just I think the I remember when they first announced it, it was definitely the one that like we knew the least about. Um, or maybe we knew less about Eternals, but like I could wrap my head around what an Eternals movie was gonna be. But people mm -hmm. just said like the Shang-Chi was very hand-to-hand, low to the ground river, and I really, you know, didn't have a lot of to go on what it was gonna be. Um and it really blew me away with so much of it. I think it was really well balanced in tone. It was very, um, it, it was very funny, but not in a, it felt like they just wrote an action screenplay and threw in jokes, which I think is, you can criticize some Marvel for doing that. Mm -hmm. um, and I really cared a lot about the characters and it really, it felt very character driven and like street, not street level insofar as like, I mean, obviously there's massive mystical things that are fucking dragons in it, but it felt like the stakes were for the characters, not for the world, which I think that that is the big difference. I think so many people that, I think you can have a story that involves dragons and possibly the end of the world, but the reason, but the story itself is not actually about the end of the world. It's about Shang-Chi and his father. And I it think is that very that contained is, for how big it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, uh, I completely agree. Um, I a lot of the stuff that you talked about in terms of just like the depictions that you saw on screen. Uh, from what I read, I mean, I'm not sure exactly, but one of the sources I read, uh, they said this is the fourth American uh, production that had a predominantly Asian cast, um, and like two notable ones uh, before it had been. Uh, Crazy Rich Asians, and also Mulan. And I will say what, at least in that context, um, I was really happy with how they went about Shang-Chi. There's like a couple of different levels to it for me personally, in terms of like, whether it's depiction of certain cultures, um, whether it's uh, just the inclusion of certain casts. Like, obviously, I've seen some uh, criticisms, and I think it's fair criticisms of how a lot of casts and the roster cast gets moved over, moved over from movie to movie. So while it feels like representation, it's the same Asian cast, like in each movie, which is 
which can be frustrating. Um, but you know, like specific inclusions, like spe- I, I've been saying it since the trailers, like Tony Lung being in this is just hella cool to me as someone who's grown up uh, with like different Hong Kong cinema and things like that. And um, like, I know Michelle Yeoh has been a part of things for such a long time. So that doesn't, uh, that doesn't necessarily feel like a, like a special inclusion because she's been in other things, but even the uh, head archer, I remember him from Kung Fu Hustle. And so like, there is some care that has come into like certain casting members. And I think what helps, especially for things where they are trying to allude to things in Chinese culture, like you see that a lot with a lot of the mystical creatures that are, um, that uh, show up in this. Uh, it's, uh, I think it's easier to accept when you see kind of like a history being acknowledged, not just like in the larger like cultural sense, but also in terms of the actual personnel that you're including in there. So um, not to harp too long on that, but all that, and then just a really fun movie. I think um, more fun than we expected it to be. Like, I think uh, what could have easily been the case, especially with the history of Marvel is like, this would be like, okay, it's Asian Black Panther or Asian Captain Marvel. Like it would just be like another thing where it's like, check off the next representation list. But no, this was a really fun movie that went beyond just the idea of like trying to, you know, have um, like a, a predominantly Asian uh, cast in production. But let's, so, I mean, this has been a while. We, we have not really done like a traditional MC University pod. So we're going to bring back the OG categories, uh, which now feels like a breath of fresh air because we haven't gone through there. And I think for me, and we've all kind of tapped into it, um, I think the place to start is character. I think it's just such a deep roster of characters. One of our categories that we always use is favorite non-superhero character. Let's go around the room to say what our favorite is. Do not worry, because I think we're going to have to talk about more than just that character, because there are just so many to go through. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Jake. Who is your favorite non-Shang-Chi character? I think that uh, Xiaoling, am I saying that right? I believe that Xiaoling, yeah, Xiaoling. I think she yeah. was incredible. Yes. Um, particularly in seeing that this is her first screen role, which is unreal. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that there was just such a quiet presence to her that is not often seen in Marvel characters, that even though this movie was very light, um, mm-hmm. you, there was no levity there and it felt completely earned. Like it didn't yeah. feel like she, she had a stillness that really, I think, bounced out the movie. And uh, you understood how grave the stakes were for the family and that they didn't need to have, well, they did have the scene of her talking about how Shang left, Shang-Chi left her, that you didn't need that so much because you understood how much she was hurt by him. And it didn't feel like- where so many Yeah, times she evoked the, it so many ways without needing a monologue to explain yeah. it. And I think so many times when a character has a grudge against another character, but they need to work together, you're kind of like, just get over the grudge. You know what I mean? You're feeling like, just shut up. But I never felt that way. Like you felt the pain between them really well. And I also thought that like, it was just, she was a super badass character in Mm -hmm. a really interesting way. And I love that she wasn't, even before the post-credit scene, that she wasn't all good. Like she is running an underground fight ring. And like, that's super cool. And not something you usually would see. Like usually you would see the movie end with her like, giving up that and deciding to go all good but like no she's complicated it's not i mean there's also a really cool thing in there just like when i i think about personally like a lot of asian culture and just the dynamics between um having a son versus a daughter and they tap into it a bit in terms of just her being basically ignored 
uh, throughout and having kind of to do everything on her own. But when you see it kind of come to fruition, at least to the point where, you know, Shang-Chi uh, himself, like he's still Sean at this point, is like the prodigal son. She is the one who really successfully uh, becomes the predecessor to her, like the to her father, oh, not predecessor, but like to follow up um, in her father's yeah. image. And so, uh, and then, yeah, we get to that post-credit scene where honestly, the excitement and the coolness of her bringing back the 10 rings in her image, having it um, gender neutral, uh, like the female empowerment in that, uh, that was way cooler to me than what I feel is like a similar scene with Sharon Carter being the power broker. I agree. And a couple okay. more things I want to say. Yeah, one, I think that the product, the reason Prodigal Son's story is interesting is even though we only talk about the son that comes back, it's interesting <laughs> because the father doesn't love the son that stays. And that's what makes the story interesting. I think right. that that's the thing that he, that uh, Jinwoo didn't know what he had with, you know, with Jai Ling. Um, yeah, yeah. So that, and also unbelievable haircut. I mean, really? That's oh, a haircut yeah, yeah. that Working, looks terrible yeah. on 99% of people and she completely pulls it off. And three, I don't know if you saw this fun fact that she got married to uh, the guy who did the stunts, who did that's the fight choreography. That so that's so always amazing. nice. And that makes my heart feel very nice um ac who do you have as your favorite non uh shan chi character it, it was it menor jang as uh shaling or was there another character in mind man like this was really really hard thinking about this we'll go um, through other ones the... so you just give me your one right now and we'll no we'll no no, no i'm about to yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, i'm about to uh yeah i'm gonna go with fala chen zhang li and the reason why yeah. i do that is because it was like i asked her like after watching the film, I was like, yo, she is the connective tissue of this movie. She Completely. is the thing that puts everything together emotionally, um, her grace uh, throughout the film, <laughs> um, the way that she's talking about, you know, uh, Talo and and mm -hmm. and just the discussions that she would have and um, her bravery, knowing that she doesn't have her powers, but defending her defending her children and defending yeah. her home, even amongst all those people was a very, very um gripping and emotional scene you don't get like the stuff that connects the whole entire family without her mm -hmm. doing what she's doing as the uh not only spiritual but emotional conduit uh overall so um i thought her performance was it was understated but same thing as with menger zhang the presence is there yeah um you have that initial scene, which was beautifully let's choreographed. Let's let's talk about the, the scene between her and Roman when they first meet. The yes. one that is a battle. Um, we basically see uh, Wen Wu as the carrier of the Ten Rings go across generations, just taking over different um, empires, uh, conquering cool them. It's cool. Sorry, I like that. <laughs> it, was, it was cool as fuck. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was cool as well. And <laughs> and then he meets his match in Fala Chen's character. Um uh Zhang Li, was it you said? Yeah, Zhang Li, yeah. Yeah, and um and it, it starts as a fight, but then turns into this beautiful, romantic, choreographed almost dance. And uh you see the flirtation that's going along. And one thing I do like about it too is um in how they kind of structure the movie it doesn't go immediately into like it at least it stays in an ambiguous place like it mm -hmm. goes straight to it's her telling the story about how she met uh she's telling Shanti how she met her his father um but we don't really see the follow-up that comes for that of him returning and then like them building the romance afterward until much later uh but around the room I'll go back to you AC just because you bring it up like how did you feel watching that scene 
Oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful, and it's what make it what it's what immediately grabbed me about the movie and made me, uh, you know, fall in love with it in a different mm-hmm. type of way. As opposed to, you could get the action stuff with Wenwu, and that's cool, and you're like you're mm-hmm. into the action part. But when you get that scene, and it's it's almost like it's it's like ballet. It's just it this yeah. art. It's so artful, and um, you see the the turn and the look. Uh, mm-hmm. The facial expressions by both actors, you need that chemistry and you need that cohesion to have something uh, so beautiful. And I think that's what really like, OK, I'm in this and I haven't even seen Shang-Chi yet. Right. Right. Jake, I think the tall task that Zhang Li and Phil uh, as, as an actress is that she needs to be in one scene so remarkable and not even charming, but like so what? something that you would believe it's like that enrapturing a man, yes like, that you yeah. would believe that a man who was a terrorist for a thousand years will be willing to give up that for someone and that is like always willing one to of the risk hardest, it all it's it's always one of the hardest things to do in a movie like this where like you have like the one woman who melted his heart and it's always so cheesy but i think that it's because it's wordless and it's just like you feel it I don't know about you, but I was watching it. It's like this fight. And it's like, oh, is this romantic? And then three seconds later, I'm like, oh, this is very romantic. And then three seconds later, this is the most romantic thing I've ever seen on film. Um, So like, I think that the way that it progressed and like, it was all wordless and just, you you completely were like, oh, not only is she, you know, very sensual and gorgeous and enrapturing, et cetera, et cetera. But like, there you see the way that Tony Lung plays it, which is great, is how he's kind of like, oh, I've met my match in a good way. And so like, it would did not take any. It, it was completely understandable. That's like, yeah, this guy would give up the ten rings for this because this is. Right. He feels like he. It almost feels like he's been alive for a thousand years. This is probably the first new th- sensation he's had in that whole time, and I, you really can feel that. And also, it makes you understand that why he goes to the lengths that he does, even though everybody's telling him like, "Hey, this this is not her calling you." This mm-hmm. was the one person who made him fundamentally change his life. Yes. And to lose that in the way that he did, um, it broke him. He was yeah. never the same after that. So to kind of see how that relationship, like, not only came to fruition, but the after effects of losing her was mm-hmm. really, really gripping. Um, I'm going to make one correction on it. So it's not Zhang Li, it's Ying Li. Uh, Ying Li? Yeah, we're really? just looking it up right now. Well, I was listening to it. UAC. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, AC's seen but, it twice, so I was trusting him. No, no not at all. It just, I just want to make sure for the no. sake of our listeners, so, um, make sure we have that covered. But uh, yeah, no, completely. And I think um, to all your points, it, it's uh, so perfectly put together, AC. Um, her being the glue, but also having kind of a rare thing in Marvel of a functional family. Because like the dysfunction, there's no dysfunction in the family itself. It only happens when the family through tragic ways falls apart. Mm-hmm. So um, yes, they have a complicated uh, relationship with their father. But again, this is not like it. That's the interesting part about Wen Wu, which is my uh, personal um, favorite uh, non-Shang-Chi character. So let's just complete the family that way. But mm-hmm. uh, I think... I think that is a very interesting concept because you just really see such an art for him of, yes, he starts off very evil. And I, it was interesting. I saw a GQ interview with Tony Leung who talks about just the backstory he created in his mind for um, when we were like, at least early on is he saw this character as a character who is 
very insecure and needing to prove a lot about himself and then coming upon this power and having so much power that he doesn't know what to do with it. And, uh, and then starts kind of like almost like overcompensating by conquering like over all these thousands of years and then finally meeting his match and settling down and then being just so fundamentally broken from her death that he, he believes there's only one way to go. And um, I think, that kind of range for a villain is just not a thing that we have in Marvel. Just, just no. like that carried arc and um, the kind of way where he has all the traditional Marvel villain type uh, qualities, super powerful, um, is completely an adversary to everyone else. Uh, but having, you know, as we've described, just complicated reasons at least later on as to why he's doing all these things um i would say yeah i I, i've been excited about tony long sorry coming into this and uh playing this character and i would say he absolutely nails it like knocks it completely out of the park and um he's just so what a motherfucker in this. Like, seriously. Listen. Yeah, Listen. I think that the mistake mm. Marvel makes in a lot of these movies make now is that mm. like, oh, how do we make a villain complex? Well, let's just give them good ideas and then, but make them execute it wrong. And obviously that can work well. That's why Killmonger's yes. But I think yep. it's often a really, really lazy way to do it where it's like, this person's destroying the world, but they're trying to like save the population. So, but, but this, like his mo- his actual actions were all bad and he wasn't doing it for a greater purpose but the reason Mm -hmm. he was interesting is because he was multifaceted but he wasn't that like he clearly loved his children in some way he clearly Mm -hmm. loved this woman that like it's his he doesn't need to have he doesn't need to have a complicated motivation or like a complicated not a motivation but like he doesn't need to have a um he doesn't have to have a point you know he can just be someone who is like lusting for power that's interesting enough if yeah. you give him more dimensions than that, because no one is all just all consumed by one thing. And so mm-hmm. I think that the scenes where it's him with his, you know, two kids and Katie are mm-hmm. super interesting because he's not evil to them. He, he doesn't have any desire no. to be evil to them. He just wants what he wants. I watch it. I'll be like, that's just an Asian dad right there. <laughs> <laughs> but his, his problem is that like, he, the reason he's evil is not because he's just evil to the core. It's because he doesn't realize that the things that he wants are not worth people getting hurt. And he's unable to stop that, you know? And that's, I think, a much more interesting yeah. reason to make someone evil than just they hate people. There is something about how he starts off that is very rooted in his understanding, which is like, you know, when you look at all the places he conquers, it's just like, this is just how the world works. It's and like to, and really just whoever wins wins. Like um, he is the most powerful and he is uh, taking over everything that makes him the villain in that regard. But it's not like any of these people that were his adversaries in those situations were any better too. Um, It's again, to your point, like it just, it's so fascinating that he finds this whole new way of looking at life when he meets um, Ying Li and like starts a family together and to be kind of broken down and brought back to be like, like, no, the way I thought it worked originally was like the only way it could be. And then going back to it. And I just want to shout out specifically his revenge scene when he goes back to um, brings his son over to that room to put brings out the rings like puts on the four or five jersey like jordan coming back (laughs) to the arena and 
fucks everyone up, but like does it in such a way that is so cold and so without like you can tell it's so rooted in his hurt, but he is so cold in how he does it. It's just it's terrifying. But and I think as a viewer too, it's terrible what he's doing. It's terrible what he's about to do and where he's going to turn again. But because of what you just saw, what happened to his family, you're almost like, it's kind of like that thing that, you know, from Civil War, when you look at Black Panther and uh, Zemo, it's just, you almost have that lust that you want him to have that revenge and vengeance on those people. Um, But just a terrifying scene, but just so layered in emotion that is uh, really fascinating. Well, he was, you know, it's it's like when you talk about being drunk on emotion, and that's what mm. he was in this movie. And mm. I think there are so many different ways that you can play it, but the way that he did to both your guys' points was just he's a thousand-year-old certified lover boy, is what's going on. <laughs> tremendous, tremendous man. <laughs> I I think that the thing too that made him so fascinating is that. So many times when the villain is a family member of the hero, you yes. expect them to have a big scene where they appeal to like their emotion, like dad, don't do this. Like you love me, you yeah. love us, don't you? And the thing that made him so interesting is that he, the, the contradiction of him is he clearly loves his children, but yes. he, you, at no point do you think he ever would hesitate about killing them if they got in his way. And yeah. that is like, and, and of course the paradox of that is that I would argue that that means he doesn't love his children, but what does that mean? Because is, is he in, is he now at this point because of what happened the one time he did love someone? Is he incapable of loving someone thoroughly? I think that 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 is what makes him a super interesting character. That he well, it's is also so interesting too because it. like him and his children, in principle, are on the same page. It's just this one thing where he truly believes it is that it is his dead wife, and they know he is being manipulated. So like. That, that's what's so tragic about that moment because it's not in any way that they're opposing him because he shouldn't feel the way, like they all feel the same way. And I think that's just an awesome way to yeah. look, go about it. Exactly. And it's that he's so sure of himself that he can't accept that he might be getting bad information, that the, that he is the beginning and ending of what's right and wrong. And so if he's hearing it, then right. it's happening. And I want to say the way that he delivered the insult to Shang when he says you were there you saw it and you didn't do anything about it um that was rough and that and it takes a lot of uh chutzpah to 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 deliver a line like that and just with the power that he does um it's just another example of what his performance was in this movie which was tremendous that one that's the really interesting one because i remember when he delivers that line it to me comes from not necessarily that he really thinks his son could have done anything about it, but that he is just harboring He's so much hurt, hurt about what's happened. That because like, the reason he is it happened, all of it. Yeah, the reason it happened is because of him, and he exactly that. Like that's exactly. the thing. Like I think that we, I think a lot of times people when they talk about movies treat everything what a character say at face value but like that's not what he means yes he is no. yeah he's mad at shang obviously because he's but he's mad at the world but the reason he can't he has to blame a, someone who is like a small child because yes. the alternative is exactly. that he has to realize that the thousand years where he was a horrible person hurt the one person he loved and he can't Cut accept up, it. yeah exactly yeah like it's either accepting the karma of the situation or just like blame everyone else um well i'm gonna move on from that just because i already mentioned it um that scene where he goes back 
back and brings his son uh, to the place for him to exact his uh, vengeance is my favorite scene in the movie. And I'm just going to ask around the board, starting with AC, what was your favorite scene in mm-hmm. Shang-Chi? Yeah, I almost wanted to go with Act 3. But okay, um, just in, as in like in the ge- whole final battle, and yeah, yeah the whole final yeah. battle because that was just so unexpected, it just came out of nowhere. And just well, let, let's, talk, I mean, the- it's not your favorite, but since you bring it up, let's talk a little bit about that because I think across the room, um, you mentioned it in your early summary of it. I don't think any of us expected it was going there, no, to, to go to Talo and to like it's, I think we were all expecting the fight between Shang-Chi and Wen Wu. And um, and the exchanging powers, but and I remember saying it in the theater to my friend, a fucking dragon, a The dragon shows up. <laughs> We don't even get this level of dragons in Game of Thrones. Like this is like <laughs> full on dragon on dragon battle. Um, and like we have someone riding dragon. I'm telling you, if if the next Avengers doesn't involve Shanchi riding a dragon. I'm gonna be so pissed. <laughs> But AC, talk a little bit more about that and just like how almost like out of left field it felt that they went there. Well, yeah. And I mean, like the just the general idea of all of these mythical creatures, like them big lion-like things and um, just just generally the, and even the, the soul suckers or whatever you want to call them, the dwellers. Um, all of those things were just so out of left field for a movie that felt so grounded in its first two acts. Like it felt like, okay, your normal cap, like Falcon type uh, fight, except it's martial arts, but then you jump into this mythical magical thing and, and, and it just and, takes and the credit on to them that they did it in a way that yeah. um, is separate from like how I felt like Mulan went about it, where it was a little bit on the nose and it was almost like, here's a, take that we have on like ancient Chinese mythology. Um, this one incorporated elements, but used it within the context of a Marvel film without being like, like treat this as history or treat this as anything that they have. Because like when you see all the creatures that are in Talo, like it's like things that I know and see in like different paintings and statues and things like that. So it was really cool to, um, to see all that put together. Also, shout out Morris. Um, but, no. but, <laughs> uh, it does a great scene. It was a great scene. Um, but yeah, uh, Jake, I'm going to go to you. How did you feel about that final act? Like, I hate to say this, but that was definitely my least favorite part of the movie. I can um, see that. Yeah, because fair. I think they didn't, especially with the Guardian one, I didn't, it, the fact that it was completely unclear of why it came out when it did, like, is it just because Shang-Chi felt that? I just wish that they had seeded this stuff earlier in the movie um because i think you're right that it comes that, out of nowhere but it yeah. felt like to me it came out of instead of like oh my god that came out of nowhere it felt like oh this came out of nowhere and i thought right. it was really well done it just felt like um i just wanted the uh i wish they, they didn't necessarily have to introduce there's the, some elements of just like okay we need to go marvel at some point yeah i think that that's kind of what it yeah. felt like that it needed a big cgi set piece and so i wish that like there was more about like i wish we got more lore about uh talo earlier or something just to see that this is what that that there is this mythical creature because i feel like they introduce you know the protector dragon like 
20 minutes before he appears on screen. And honestly, I think that that's too short. I think that they needed to, the, the notion of the two like warring dragons, I think is really interesting, but I think that that's something that needs to come earlier in the movie. If you're going to end that way. Um, once again, I thought it was all visually stunning. And I thought the battle between uh, Shang and uh, Wen Wu was incredible. Um, but I definitely actually just like, I like the other stuff more than I, I did like the final battle. Mm-hmm. Which is, which is as, as a segue to my favorite scene, I just thought that the bus scene really kind of gave the movie the pepper and uh, flavor that you, you wanted that like, early to kind of just right like, off almost the bat. satiate like you're in a Marvel film. Yeah, and it was really cool to even the choreography, uh, everything. Yeah, yeah Sorry, the choreography in that is one thing. Video homie from Spider-Man Home uh, Homecoming um with the I, I, oh I, i've taken martial arts uh a couple of times and i'm gonna grade this fight just like that was hilarious um the the bus tearing in half katie driving the bus and mm-hmm. all just like all of the stuff that was going on in there was so much fun and then it's like all right they kicked it up a notch and we and we we have ourselves settled in for not only the emotional stuff, but the really fun action stuff. Shout out our vlogger who apparently was on a trip to San Francisco from New York when he last saw Spider-Man, you know? Yeah, he's had a lot of, he's seen as many superheroes as we have and we do this MCU podcast. Yes, exactly. Um, all right, Jake, what is your favorite scene? I think that the bus scene, I think is great. Mm-hmm. But I just think that in terms of, when I see an action movie, I love to see something that I've never seen before. And in a million years, where I never think, let's do a whole fight scene that takes takes place exclusively on scaffolding. I think that's just one of the most interesting ideas I've ever heard. I thought it was so well choreographed. Yeah. um, Because it never felt like it it went on for so long without getting repetitive. Even though, like, this is only like three square feet to fight. How are they going to keep doing this? It's really cool. Um, (laughs) I think that that, to me, that's like a really cool, like, one of those like shout outs for me to like, Hong Kong martial art films um, mm-hmm. because that is such a common set piece for those kind of fights. So it was cool to be seen done there. And then also like incorporating some CGI around it too, which was fun. Um, like uh, one that actually comes to mind in mainstream media is like, there is a similar scene to that in uh, Rush Hour 2, like Jackie right. Jen. Yeah, right. I yeah, about that. That's what I was yeah. thinking of. Yeah, But yeah. I just thought it was so cool. So I, I retract what I say I'd never seen it before. And I, I would say that Hong Kong cinema is definitely a massive blind spot for me. But it was cool. And like the way that it was done, it obviously but that's the point, some- too. Like, I think like like that it is a blind spot for some people, even like people who have like explored so much film. Like, that's what's so exciting and what I appreciate about the film. So it's a good yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah I definitely uh, it's definitely making me want to watch more more Hong Kong cinema. And I say more as if I'd watch any. But um, the thing that I really <laughs> liked about it was that it obviously was a ton of cgi because they couldn't do it the way but it really felt like so tactile and it really took Mm -hmm. advantage of the way that cgi you can you put cameras in places you couldn't in real life and so whereas if they before cgi you'd have to almost you'd have to shoot it in a really closed enclosed way because there's almost more space but you can have a wide shot of the scaffolding because you're just, the camera's not real, you know? And so, like, mm-hmm. I think it was really, really cool how they did that. I thought that the way that they incorporated um, Katie into it, where, like, she kind of made it, like, that her 
presence. I, I always think it's interesting when you can add a character that can't fight in. Um, I think the payoff of the Hotel California bit made me laugh out loud a lot. Nice. Um, That's good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was just, and it had all the great characters. It just, it just was really an exciting thing that I. It was so kinetic too, in yeah. like how it moved around. So um, just because you mentioned the Calif- uh, the Hotel California bit, like what works so well about that is you're so enraptured in the action that when it pops up and it's just immediate pause into comedy, it like when you see it happen and you think about it in retrospect, it's like, obviously you can go there, but they move so quickly in it that it's such a great surprise. Yeah. I, so that's my favorite scene. Um, and uh, although there are obviously plenty of other scenes I like in the bus scene. Probably I, I like, I like the, um, the dinner scene that they have together, like just a very quiet family scene. That was really good. Um, I got to shout out uh, the inclusion of karaoke in general. Very mm-hmm. appreciative mm-hmm. of that. Um, the family montage, I thought it was very short, but very sweet and bittersweet, yes. really. Uh, that they incorporated DDR is just chef's kiss. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I think that that's a probably like to me, and I, I really need to watch this movie again. And but there's just like a lot of good scenes. I think what I feel right now, I want to say early, is this movie has a lot of rewatchability value. Oh, oh easy, easy. Yeah. Easy. Like, well, because like yeah. that's that's like one of those things that we like. Even when we uh, have like an initial like really high reaction to a Marvel film, um, I don't always find them to have a level of rewatchability. And I think what is really cool about this one is it seems to have layers to it, but at the same time, like I feel like I could sit down with it again. And really the top layer it. is also really sweet. Is the thing exactly. that layers to it? Yeah, that's the top a great way. Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> um. I don't know if you guys, it's it's also hard when we see a thing in theaters, if you clocked any, but do you guys have any favorite lines from the film? All right, so Jake. I looked it up. Yeah. Um, I liked a lot of Katie's lines, and I do want to discuss that character, because it's none of our favorite characters, but I think I think the, the character really worked for me, and there's been a mm-hmm. dis- discussion in the Discord that I want to get to. But sure. Trevor Slattery's line, where he says, <laughs> the first time I witnessed pure artistry was in 1968, oh. Planet of the Apes. If they can teach those monkeys to act, <laughs> I thought, think what I can do. And I actually listened to um, Daniel Callahan, one of the co-writers, um, mm-hmm. on the Big Picture of the Ringer podcast. And it's honestly one of the best interviews I've ever heard with a screenwriter because he's a mm-hmm. guy who's like, who's like, I became a screenwriter because I thought I'd make money. I grew up on nothing but Arnold Schwarzenegger films. Like, I just, I, because he did like, he's done like Mortal Kombat, Mortal, Wonder Woman 1984. Like, he mm-hmm. does nothing but like big budget movies. And I really yeah, respect yeah. that. But anyway, he said that that is probably the dumbest joke he's ever pitched and it made it into the movie. And oh, like, beautiful. and he said, there's just to have like, de- not only that, but to have Ben Kingsley say the dumbest joke he's ever written, it just, he said, was one of the greatest the, things that ever happened to him. The theater reaction to that and just like the build up that we all know where he's going with it like it's yes there because i think um jake especially for you and i when it comes to like a, a lot of comedic writing like you love the efficiency of it in terms of just like bing bang boom but this one is just like the slow build and this mm-hmm. is almost like drawl to the finish line. and it, it, it and goes it, it like it you think the joke's over and then they keep hitting on it, it just, and it i would actually say yeah. that while i like really fast comedy i would say that my comedy i write tends to do that a lot and it was very that's, good that's a fair and that's, point. And that's yes, and thing yes, is, yes. what i'd say is that that is often considered a problem and i've been told that i shouldn't do that <laughs> and so right. it's good when it's seen on screen where it's like we get the joke but then he like i love that they're kind of trying to give him an it's out it's a problem like, because so, it's a high degree of difficulty yeah of course and they, yeah. they, they're trying to be like 
like, uh, like, t- please tell me you don't actually mean that. But he's like, no, I'm going to say that I yeah. thought that the monkeys were actually acting. I uh, mean, oh, so yeah. Good. And all this interplay with Morris, um, just great stuff from Fran. It, it's, it's to a level, like, there's a similar appreciation of that than uh, to your favorite Guardians of the Galaxy 2 bit. Exactly uh, the same thing. Yeah, it's exactly. just a joke that goes yeah. on way longer than it probably should. Um, exactly. And yeah, it was right after my own heart. Just that if they could teach those monkeys, all of us like you know that's not real. It's like yeah, I know those weren't real horses, but <laughs> <laughs> just all of it put together. Um, AC, do you have anything? Yeah, just one. Uh, one simply put, if you aim at nothing, you hit nothing. That is actually uh, my friend's favorite uh, quote um, over there. And I remember uh, sitting with her in the theater and her just like kind of giving like a little fist pump. It, it's, you know, it, it's a classic shoot your shot. It's um, what might say it might have been written by J.R. Smith himself. Uh, or it might have been written by one uh, Wayne Gretzky. What is it? You missed 100% of the yes, shots. Yes, you don't exactly. Take. And which was also written, of course, by Michael Scott. Right, exactly. No, it, it, it's a really good line. Uh, AC, anything that you want to say about it? Further? No, I mean, the only thing that I would say about it is like, I always try and look for the deeper meaning and stuff. And mm-hmm. that applies to, I mean, it's, for Katie specifically, if we yeah. go back to the beginning of the film and the way that she's talked about by not only her family, but her friend, as far as like her not really Living taking the potential. onus to do yeah. something with her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it hit home for her. And um it hit also it always stuff like that always hits home for the viewer if you think about your own life and and all of those things oh yeah no no i mean uh we can we can go off that line and go into an entirely different type of podcast for the remainder of this time. <laughs> i mean i think that that's an underrated thing that this movie is about is about mm-hmm. the sort of i think millennial into early late gen z early gen z mm-hmm. malaise of like I think because I know I am and I know so many people who are have like, you know, great. We all are on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Who have like a great educational pedigree or like are super smart and just kind of for one reason or another are not where they want to be or haven't tried uh, specifically with a lot of people I know. And I would say to some extent me, like Mm -hmm. the reason they're not where they want to be is because they're too afraid to try. I think that that's Mm -hmm. kind of a a illness unique to this generation and i felt really spoke to that like it's not the reason why they're working as valet is not because they can't get jobs in their fields it's because yeah. they can't admit it to themselves but they're too afraid to try to do anything with their lives and i thought that, that was a very interesting way to read it and i want to re- watch it thinking about that the next time i see it completely and, and i think the other layer to that is just uh so often what is traditional to a film is people need to achieve their um greater potential because they are in a dire strait but they're they're fine they're completely fine right now they can go on the rest of their lives being completely fine and uh living with the knowledge that there could be more and they just choose not to go there so a quote like that is something that is very essential um for me uh just going back to that favorite scene too it's i think just in how chilling it is but a blood debt has to be paid oh that's life. a good one that's a good one mm-hmm. Yeah, right. that's mm-hmm. some hard ass shit. If you can pull mm-hmm. that off, you're a cool motherfucker. <laughs> right, right. Um, okay, well, I we've said a lot of glowing things about it. Um, I think we sh- we could talk a little bit about some nitpicks that we might have with the film. I think, Jake, you kind of started us off with a little bit of just not being terribly fond of Act 3 for very fair reasons. Um, is there anything else in the film that you would say? Uh, um, I wish, and this is, goes back to mm-hmm. kind of, but I wish that they had, and I think this thing we all can agree on is that I wish that they had introduced the notion of when we were hearing uh, Yin Li's voice earlier, because yeah. I don't like that it's kind of halfway through Act Two. Because I think that mm-hmm. I, I think it would actually be more interesting if we 
if that was like the first thing we knew about it, like that if we knew that before Shang-Chi maybe knew it because I think that um there's some difficulty that's going on in juggling the different storylines and character arcs like I think we benefit right having like all these very deep characters with yeah. rich histories and rich mm-hmm. um motivations but uh I think what does happen is like because you have to spend so much time with our protagonist that we're introducing mm-hmm. and his reunion with other characters you can't really get like you break away literally and come back because yeah. the problem i find is that having it as late in the movie as it is there's mm-hmm. no point where the audience doesn't know if she actually's alive so like we're introduced sure. to the, the moment we're introduced to him thinking that we already know it's not true which i feel like kind of is robbing us from traumatic tension that if mm-hmm. the, that we could think like oh is this actually real is she actually alive instead we know the entire time that he's wrong and that mm-hmm. was kind of felt a little disappointing it felt like okay i guess the one thing that i could say um in counter to that is the idea that the point isn't that but the point is to just display how deeply hurt and how i, I understand yeah, yeah. I, 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 but, I, I, but yeah. I get i i agree with your point um, yeah, and I think of, that, and yeah. I think you could even even if you don't want to play it for dramatic like tension, I think mm-hmm. just having it in earlier. So then, like, because I think that if you're gonna have it that you, he hears her voice, I think you need to. It, this is just a random number, but I think there should be a good thirty minutes between that and learning that it's an evil dragon. And it feels like yes. we learn he hears her voice, and then ten minutes later we learn it's an evil dragon. And I just wish there's more. Time there's something that goes sure on with pacing in the film that it kind of like it, it it hits all these different spots, and I think you know in how many different spots it hits it helps its rewatchability of course i think it does become a bit of a like very quickly running through a bunch of things Mm -hmm. then slow down to build up to the final act again Mm -hmm. and um I, I don't know what the fix is for it, but no, it I don't either. Yeah. And that's why it's a nitpick. Yeah. I, yeah, I just, I really love this movie a lot. So that's basically mm-hmm. that in my like third act thing. That's really the only problem I have with the movie. Sure, sure. AC? Uh, the transition from the end of act two, because it does kind of feel like act two goes on longer than. Um, I, I thought it was necessary to because I and think for the you point, and just like for our listeners, what would you like? Where Where's your break between act two and act three? Like, how? well, you I think so you can keep the when you can keep the when uh flashback scene mm-hmm. um, and you can kind of take out some of the training stuff. I think okay. the some of the training stuff, you could probably take some of that out because at some point. And I think you had mentioned it as far as the like, oh, we're going really fast and we're doing stuff and then we're slowing down like and it, and it almost like slows down to a crawl, which is yeah. fine in the sense of continuing to build characters up and stuff like that. But I felt like at least in that instance, you could have done without some of the training and get to more of the meaty Wenwu stuff and yeah. uh, make that a more of a, there, a there primary is, thing. Um... There is something now that you guys are kind of talking about it, just the whole getting to Talo and introducing Talo and its history and everything around it, especially because like, I don't know that we ever go back there like in MCU. So there's something very um, like, are we spending too much time there? Are we not spending enough time, but you need to build it up because otherwise like there's no point for us to protect it. So there is, something that's a little mixed up there but and at the same time too that's really the only point that you can introduce it unless you show flashbacks of Ying Lee in her um space before so um yeah no I, I agree with all the points there uh I'll be perfectly honest I think I was so high on the film that 
uh, it was hard for me in the moment to look at nitpicks. Like I think it's just the pure excitement of being back into it. But um, in talking through it, yeah, I do agree with some of the, the second watch was today. Today was actually like when it stuck out to me more. We're like, it. Oh, yeah, okay. Like this was something that I thought of in the first watch, but the second one kind of like reaffirmed it for me. Right. Well, I, I, I'm going to jump to another thing because I think Jake, you mentioned it. I'm not actually sure what the context is, but uh, you said there was a conversation on Discord about the Katie character. Yeah. I think it's mostly because people understandably hate Aquafina because yes. she's, yep. culture, she's a culture vulture. Mm-hmm. Now, personally, I, and I don't blame anyone who can't, I am able to separate that from her performances because to mm-hmm. be frank, I think that she's an incredibly charismatic and charming actress. I think she can be really, really good. And mm-hmm. I thought that she was really, really good in this movie. I think she was really funny um, and very a very good audience surrogate because I think that these movies do need audience surrogates. I think that mm-hmm. big comic book fans sometimes like to pretend that they don't. But it's like, this is supposed to be for mass entertainment. You need someone who's asking questions. And I thought that the thing that I really loved about it is that her whole thing is like, who are you? What is all of this? But mm-hmm. it never felt like she was saying, who are you? I don't know if I could be friends with you. It always felt like it was out of love. That no matter what, yeah. no matter what she found out about him, she always was like, okay, I'm ride or die for you. And I think that to show that type of friendship between a man and a woman, I think is really uh, not groundbreaking, obviously, but it's not not groundbreaking. Like it's mm-hmm. in this type of movie to have a purely platonic male-female friendship where they are as in this a ride natural or die for each way. Other. Like the only time that they really push in the whole like why aren't you dating or why aren't you together is really more of a joke about like Asian culture. In yeah, terms of, like, I'll, I'll when, say this. Yeah. I think that that is a joke about Asian culture because it's written by Asian people, but I think yeah. that that is also a lot of other cultures. So that I is have very my much Italian family. Yeah. Also, it please, is. I think it is. that is 100%. We can all come yeah. I, think, I think that is definitely very true for Asian people and I think that the writers mm-hmm. probably thought it was, they were making a commentary, but I think that that's true for everyone, unfortunately. That, but, that is, yeah. no, no, that is a good point. And I think, um, yeah, like it's, it's something like that that I really do appreciate. Um, I do want to ask you, AC, about it, just because obviously when it comes to the, like, the side of yeah. appropriation, it <laughs> is appropriating a specific culture right. that is represented by one third of this right. uh, pod more so than the others. Um, do you, like, not at all to ask you to speak on behalf of the Black community, but like, just you personally, how do you feel about the whole narrative around uh, Aquafina? Because I'll be honest, like, I only really came to un- know who she was like I knew of her in terms of like she was kind of like underground. She like, you know, changed name legally. She had this kind of like kind of jokey, I guess, rap career, which is like the problematic part of her thing. Um, also the Nora uh, from Queens, which I think is involved there. But I only really came to know or see her in anything with Crazy Rich Asians, which honestly I wasn't really fond of her character in that. No, she's but the worst I was it. I was a huge fan of hers in the movie um, The Farewell. I also like, think she's great in Ocean's 8, but anyway, continue. Right. And so, um, but just uh, all that said, um, do you have any thoughts? Honestly, you know, it's okay. <laughs> uh, no, honestly, to, to keep it real with you, I didn't know much about that aspect of it until mm-hmm. like maybe like a couple months before the the film came out and right. the, the, the words got louder and louder. Now, I do think one of those things and and Jake touched on it as far as like being able to separate the stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, in terms of, in terms of black people like this, I can say there's a lot of people who you choose to be like, they're canceled, but then with other people, they're not canceled. So it's like, yeah, we don't have to run through that list, but yes. Yeah. So like implicit, implicit bias is just in generally a part of 
every culture to a degree. Sure. So like I I kind of I kind of get like some of the stuff is absolutely problematic, but I can separate it. Now as far it, as this it movie, sounds like some of the and like I have no idea, but like at least what I heard about Aquafina, it, it really Queen reminds me a lot of Miley Cyrus, to be honest. Yeah, to a, yeah, and I think to a degree, and um, and I think and I think what what people what will bug people um and what actually did bug people about watching her in this movie was how much she was in it. Like she's attached to Sean, like the whole movie. Yeah, like she's I mean, there. Yeah. The, the, she's bad the room people at the who end don't like too. her. The bad news people don't like her. She's built she, up to be a part of the unit. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. She Aquafina she's is, like, she's a part of this. Aquafina is like a borderline A-list star now. She's not going anywhere. Like, that's the unfortunate thing. Like, I, I, I hate to say that. But also, and the thing that frustrates me about her is that, like, I think a lot of people, never to her extent, but, like, myself included, even some, like, I think every uh, white people, I think a lot of Asian people, at some point want to do, like, some fake rap joke thing. And it might have, like, veer into that territory i think she went further than most people do but like mm-hmm. the fact that she doesn't have self-awareness about it like i that's actually can't speak for people it. i can't speak for people that's the thing but, I, I have, no, I have yeah. no idea what happened but has she actually ever had a moment yes where she's, she's been asked about it, it and she says that this is what people i grew up are like and that's just not that it, she goes to an extent where like daddies don't believe that um right like she okay. i always joke that she went to the same high school as timothy chalamet like she just is not right, right. um and, and so i think that if she just said like you know what? When I was like in my teens and early twenties, I thought it'd be fun to do these things. I understand now. Like I just think that that would just go so much of a long way. But the fact that she's trying to act like that is actually the way she is, like it just isn't, and that's okay. But it's not. So I, I think the tough. I think the tough part about that though is like if that's sincerely how she feels, I don't want her to come out with a statement just to appease everyone else at that point. I guess so, but I actually just don't think that if you actually like now, like or the, or, the t- it, or she actually comes around to the point. That she actually understands, like the Aaron. Yeah, I, 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 and I also think that, like you know, it's. I think it's very complicated. Not that I don't think it's complicated whether or not she did something wrong, but I think it's a very thorny issue. And I think that ultimately, I really enjoyed her character in this, and I will never ask mm-hmm. someone not to separate. She was good in this movie. Like, yeah, let's yeah, just yeah. like, yeah, take that off the plate. Like, I'll she never was, sure. was good in this. Movie. I'll never ask someone to ignore something they have a problem they have with someone. But I think that. Um, the reality is I think that her character should be pretty integral because she's very famous. And I think that she's an incredibly charming young actress. Like, I think that yeah. if this, all this stuff didn't happen, I think the MCU would be like, it would be no brainer to have her in it. So now I, I will yeah. say, I will say, I understand that she's a part of the universe uh, yeah, and all yeah. that. I have to admit, it was weird seeing her in the room with uh, Banner and, and uh, okay. Dan so, Shivers at the end. I, agree. I was like, you are bringing me to my next point. So um, we have talked about Shang-Chi uh very much in the bubble of shang chi which yes. has been a very nice thing about this film mm-hmm. is that it really doesn't do much outside of a couple of like sprinklings in that one you know fight scene uh in the fight club and then our mid credit scene but we don't really go heavy into like what does this all mean in the marvel cinematic universe outside of the fact of like we might be introducing someone who can like join the roster. And so this is where I want to go next. And I'm going to start with AC because obviously he's our Marvel guy. Um, This is a player that we are looking to draft into. I don't know which team. I don't know where it's going. Um, I will say it seems like Wong is serving as this like new version Colson type connecting the dots mm. across the board situation. Shout out to Wong. Shout out to Wong, who um, I read somewhere, I don't know if it's true or not, 
now has the most appearances in Marvel? No, not, not in the MCU. That, that the point was that he now has more appearances in Marvel movies than any X-Men actor not named Hugh Jackman or Patrick Stewart. Got it. Thank you. And so, um, so there is there there are seeds that are being planted. Something's happening. Something's here. happening. And uh, first, let's just talk about the things that are happening. So the first thing that we come across, which is um, it's Wong versus the Abomination mm-hmm. in Fight Club, and uh, and you know the fight itself is really great. Introducing Abomination back is a really cool moment there. Uh, Shout out to Tim Roth voicing the grunts. He voiced yeah, right? truly Shout just out to that. Like, yeah, shouts to him. Yes. He's just definitely down for shit, and I appreciate that. <laughs> I love that. Um, like another another actor who's down for shit, unlike one Chris Evans. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're damn right. Damn right. And um, what's also very interesting about that too is like when it plays off in the trailers, it just seems like they're like placed in the ring, but these appear to be accomplices who go back somewhere. AC, where do you think they went back to? First of all, I that looks like a cell of some sort. I think that's like, um what's the yeah. area? What's the area called? The big prison in the sky that like everyone in Civil War got sent to? Oh, raft. the raft? I thought it was the raft. That's interesting. Well, because like um, when that like is it Zemo the on the raft? Like, I think Zemo's on the raft too. But wouldn't that um, make sense if you think about like the General Ross connection? Um, where you would put your worst villains or worst um, threats at. Yeah, but this is the... Now, you bring that up, but then... Okay. Then, and it was the same question I asked as soon as I saw the scene, I'm like, yo, what is he training the Abomination for? Like, why? Because he's giving him tips and pointers. Yeah. Like, to to fight in and, like, you know, use your punch this way. And I'm like, what? What is this? Okay, well, so, he, here, like, I'm thinking, like, where's... Then. Yeah, go ahead. Um, in, in a very general sense, because I know there are so many different options you can go to, but I'm going to just yeah. say, like, in terms of directions. Uh, in Wong's plan here, is this something small in that he, there's a specific thing he is setting up for? Or is he looking at the landscape and who we have left and is just like, we need to get whoever we can get? So this feels like, something two-pronged not only for the story mm-hmm. but not only for the general arcing story but Wong's story because okay. it really does feel and I think the Doctor Strange episode and what if kind of mm-hmm. just like reconfirmed and reaffirmed that stuff for me is that Strange is headed down a path of a lot of mistakes and a lot of errors okay and the idea of being the sorcerer and this, supreme, I guess this would be like your first prong in terms of this yes. prong thing. Yes. yeah first okay. prong because we were just going strictly wong right now yeah um the wong prong the yeah okay. so the, the the idea of of what dr strange is doing and the types of mistakes that he's making mm-hmm. would potentially lead me to believe that whatever strange does that continues to do all of these mistakes and errors that we kind of saw a little preview of what if might look like, I think we'll see it again in Spider-Man and we'll see Mm -hmm. it in Multiverse of Madness too. And I'm going to just put it out on the limb that I'm going to guess Wong is going to have to step in because it's going to get to a point where he makes too many mistakes. The Spider-Man trailer, don't do that spell. Stuff like that. 
Like it's always been that since the original Doctor Strange, where he's I'm, telling him Strange, not to mess with is basically the new Tony Stark. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he yeah. is. And he I think in the difference. There you go. <laughs> and I think the different I think the difference here is is that when you're talking about the scale of not only the multiverse and other dimensions and stuff like that, that's a little bigger than than what's happening on Earth. So this feels bigger than an Ultron situation. Absolutely. So I think Wong is set up for a very interesting arc uh, going forward. So what's the second prong that you think Wong is going on or in? So it makes me wonder um, one thing in particular, because any time I see a cell and any time I see somebody like the Abomination, Mm -hmm. who we would call like a, a villain or in this case, maybe a villain trying to reform to a degree, Okay. Um, I think immediately of Val and what she's up to mm-hmm. and what she's doing. So if that ever comes into play at some point, she has, it seems like she has her own roster that she's I honestly too. thought Val was going to be involved in some way with like shelling at the end there. Like just because she just seemed to fit that, but then like obviously she was up to her own stuff. But yeah. Yeah. It really feels like, it really feels like whether, and you could have easily used her here. But Completely. it really feels like eventually, and I, I mean, you know, quote unquote rumors that uh, Val is in Black Panther or Wakanda forever would lead Which you to believe sense. that yeah. she's involved with more than uh, we could believe at this moment. So I would not be surprised if uh, Wong is doing something, whether it's because I just can't believe that he's just rehabilitating the abomination for just the well, sake of it i mean here i can i offer a second prong for you yeah go cool. i think the second prong comes in the mid credit scene you know like wong is in that room with one human bruce banner mm-hmm. notable notable and captain Very marvel notable. you know like this is like he has not had this interaction with them at any point now, can I give a? I think Captain Marvel being there is important, but I also think the important context is that Destin Daniel Cretton, who directed this movie's first movie, were short term 12 with started Brie Larson. Yes. So yes. I think that that is, yes. I think that obviously it makes sense to Canon, but I think I, you, there could be a very big important reason for it. However, at the moment, I'm thinking it might just be because she is going to be in his movie. But I could to be Jake's p- To Jake's point about that, there are mm. quotes from uh, Mr. Cretton. Mm-hmm. that would give uh credence to mr James. well let us so. know some of those quotes well basically he was like yes i was trying to get brie for i was trying to get brie for this and it just happened to work out that there was a that was a day in additional photography Got um it. i think it was early this year um that they were able to do that scene so that's when that happened that's when that scene was shot earlier this right. year so but like, yeah, so I think like what happens there and especially in how Wong is setting up both uh, Shang-Chi and Katie is um, like to me, that's the second prong. Like whatever his role is specifically, he is in an Avenger sense. In oh, yeah. Whatever yeah, we got a new Avenger thing te- going on. The team type of sense, like he is kind of like a Coulson Fury type mm-hmm. person right now in terms agree. of like putting the team together and understanding the stakes and um, like how we've been joking this whole time. He's kind of like the dad right now, you know, just like kind of getting everyone a little ready. Our friend Shiv would say the daddy. The daddy, exactly. <laughs> Shouts to Shiv. Oh, um, I also, I yeah. also wanted to add to that point because you mentioned Banner in a sling and that's a kind of like an important thing to 
Oh, no, 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 no. We talk like I, I gasped, audibly gasped because like I have been such a detractor to Professor Hulk and like made every kind of joke about like DMP rest, Kawhi <laughs> and his like load management seasons, just all those sort of things. Um, to see him back in that form separated, not like some sort of hybrid, like he is Bruce Banner in this the hell is going on ac well i am starting to wonder if this is a transition for ruffalo uh being at his age into more of a consulting type of role okay. which i would suspect that we see in she hulk with also the rumors of the hulk son uh being a character in that show uh scar so Considering those things, I think we could see more of Bruce Banner popping up. In... There's also a Korean Hulk, right? Uh, yes. Um, yeah. what is it? Amadeus Cho. Yeah, Amadeus right. Cho. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's a that yeah. That's another one too. So, I think there's a chance that these things could potentially come into play. I think She Hulk is where I think we're gonna really find out mm-hmm. what where Bruce Banner is at fully and completely were you guys surprised by seeing that like did you see that coming no yeah that, yeah that was surprised that was very surprising. i mean i i knew at some point bruce would separate because he couldn't just be professor hulk all the time especially i mean right. both because for storytelling reasons and because practically i don't think that while the marvel budgets for the shows are very are very expensive i don't think that's they a good wanna, yeah, i don't yeah. think that they would want to and motion capture every season yeah, yeah. that's a really good um, point but uh no i but i just didn't see it coming in this movie no yeah. Um, talk about the sling. I did cut you off there. Well, yeah, because it also kind of like illustrates the, the issue still with the with the snap taking such a toll Completely. on him because he did it in obviously in Hulk form and he's still bothered by it to this point. So it also would lead you to believe that this film took place. And I don't know the exact timeline, but pretty not too far after Endgame took place. So you got to mm-hmm. think about it from that standpoint, too. But uh, yeah, Banner's arc is interesting. You got the rumors that He's in Moon Knight. That's another thing that's come up. So there, there have been uh, some, uh, some photo like set photos that or like funky photos where right where there's uh, Oscar Isaac with a fan and then uh, Ruffalo with a fan. Like that's right. It's it's not set photos, but it's like oh, what are they both doing in the same place? Yeah, what are they both doing there at the same time? It's kind of weird. And so I think from although the one the one thing is like. If Oscar Isaac asked me to just like go anywhere to hang out with him, I probably would just do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a fair I point. Mean, you really, I don't know if you guys saw those videos of him and Jessica Chastain on the carpet oh at Venice. Oh, yeah. And like people are like, it's very oh dreamy. My, one, there's nothing worse in the world than people assume that celebrities who are in a movie together are having sex with each other. But it is like, one, I, who wouldn't? And two, like yeah. if, you're, if you're on the same, if you're in the same room as Oscar Isaac and you don't want to do all the stuff that Jessica Chastain does to him, then you and I are not the same person. Well, I, just don't I, mean, know. I like to think about uh, Jeff Winger in community just like it's chemistry i have it with everyone exactly oscar yeah. could have chemistry with you know as i said that richard mccann's have chemistry with the cactus oscar isaac doesn't even need the cactus to be sprouted he could be a freaking seed which really makes like his uh making him apocalypse just like such a monumental thing <laughs> i know <laughs> like how you could take that out of oscar isaac of all actors you know yeah. um Oh okay, yeah, well, Banner. Banner's interesting. Banner yeah. and Wong are both two interesting players right now. Jake, um, what were your feelings about that mid-credit scene? I thought it was super interesting. I actually didn't have a problem with Katie being there because, like, 
Mm-hmm. A couple of things. One, because like all the Avengers have like regular people that rolled yes. with them. Yeah, yeah. Like I think sure. that like it was like, and, and I think that it's not, they weren't like saying that she had expertise, but like, I also think it was kind of understood that I think Shang-Chi would want her there, you know? Like I think that they yes. are ride or die for each other. And so that I, I think, I think that works really well when you have the bar scene before it. Exactly. That I, I thought also that was really fun that they had it, that they were trying to Amazing. explain it. And then they had the, anyway. Um, but I thought that it was really, it really set it up. And I think that it, I really liked how like they didn't, um, they didn't like pussyfoot around. Like, is he going to be an Avenger? It's like, hell yeah. This motherfucker's oh, yeah. an Avenger. He's in. Cause there'd be nothing worse than like, how is Shang-Chi going to fit into future Avengers movies? He's on the roster. You know what I mean? Like they don't yeah. have to mess around with that. And so, and I'm excited with ever, whatever they're talking about that, um, you know, basically implying that there's some beacon was sent out from the 10 rings. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see what that's like that. The actual specifics of that aren't important yet, but it was cool to like have him getting inducted into being the Avenger, an Avenger in a no-nonsense well, way. Yeah, I, I, I want to, you know, ob- I think I know the answer and it's pretty obvious, but I'm just going to make everyone say it around the room. Uh, in a pure scouting report way, is Shang-Chi worthy of being a, an Avenger? Jake? Is Haw- if Hawkeye's worthy of being an Avenger, Shang-Chi is worthy of being 17 Avengers. There you go. Great. great. Easy. AC? Oh, easy, yeah. yeah. Easy, yeah. Did you see how much ass he was kicking in this movie? Holy right. shit. <laughs> um... We we always have these conversations about power levels, but like, where do you like? I can't. I don't even know. But in just pure speculation, the ten rings. How powerful are these, in your opinion? I mean, they have to be pretty pretty damn powerful. If we hear about this damn beacon, right? Uh, who, who's what's what's that situation? Also, also That's another being thing. Something that like is has been beyond anyone's detection. Yeah. Like it hasn't like existed the, anywhere. Like yeah. we knew about, like we had infinity stones that everyone knew about, mm-hmm. but they didn't know these 10 rings, which is very interesting. I also think that their power, I'm going to guess we'll learn was even more than a Wenwu could even harness. Cause like he was using it basically just as a sure I mean, power. they invited as such when it came to yeah. um, Shang-Chi, like he was able to tap into even more of its Exactly. Potential. Yes. And yeah. so I think that there's more than just, cause like purely the way Wenwu was using it, obviously pretty powerful, but not like, crazy world beating i don't think i mean obviously he toppled governments and stuff but it felt like mostly what he could do was just punch really hard really really hard do, do you but, think you know, this could be but now i feel like more. same places like a mjolnir would come from oh i was saying something similar yeah there was never somewhere it's definitely yeah. alien of some kind right yeah yeah i mean i would probably say like whatever's on the other end of that thing in terms of where it uh where it where it's coming and who was gonna show it was probably gonna be something or someone very it, it seems like the kind of thing that like came from like Nidavalier. I think that's like how yeah. you say it. Yeah, yeah. Um all right. Well I think we have most things covered, but I'm gonna leave it to well I think there's one big around. thing we haven't talked about. Let's talk and about I don't, it. it wasn't intentional, but I don't think we've talked at all about Shang-Chi the character himself. That's a really and good Simu point. Yes. performance. Oh my gosh. Which I think Ooh. is why the movie works. I mean we kind of tapped yeah yeah no no that's a great point. Um it, it is it is kind of a funny thing when you think about it some marvel films especially ones that like do so well with like ensemble it you you always step away like comic book films in general when you have such a great ensemble especially a great villain uh you can find yourself which is exactly what we did here uh unintentionally it like we don't talk about the main character let's talk about it so we already talked about shan chi and our power level this guy is worthy about it how do we felt feel about Simulu's um depiction uh jake we'll start with you Perfect casting. I think that right. there's just so much because he 
the reason why the movie doesn't feel like it's just a bunch of jokes thrown into an action movie is because mm-hmm. he has a lightness to him, but yep. also obviously can play all. He obviously is a good enough actor to play all the serious stuff, but you believe that he. Um, you love to have someone who's invested in doing it. Exactly. That he mm-hmm. exactly the fact he like asked to do it, and that he kind of has a chip on his shoulder because he was such an unknown coming in. Obviously, he was mm-hmm. on campus convenience, but in terms of in comparison to other people who have joined the MCU, he's much lower on the tone pole in Hollywood. And I think that his he just feels like he he can simultaneously leave enough space for other actors to really shine, but then mm-hmm. also really own it himself. And I think that's such a unique skill. I think it's something that Chadwick did really well as Black Panther, where he was able to steal scenes. But but similarly, in the same way that Black Panther is a great ensemble movie, because Chadwick is able to step back and let like Letitia Wright have a good Mm -hmm. scene or Mm Denai Greer have a really good scene, that uh, Simulu was able to let um, all the actors around him have great scenes, but then you, but you never felt like he was lost in the movie. You never forgot that he was there. And obviously, and just the fact that he's so clearly trained so much to do all this, the mm-hmm. amount of times where they, it felt like they had to cut around him was so little, like yeah. you hit, it was his face in those fights. How about you, AC? Well, yeah, I think, I think the Chadwick Boseman point is a really good one because I, I kind of felt the same way in terms of, just the idea of being able to elevate the people around you now. I mean, somebody, if you think about uh, Menger Zhang and being in her first mm-hmm. role, and uh, she, you know, I talked a little bit about that with her um, in regards to just how Simu made her feel comfortable and, and, and all that stuff. So, like, it takes somebody of that. Uh, you can tell on, he has magnetism on the him. side, he really took it upon himself to carry this group. Yes. Yes, and, and sometimes and it's very admirable. Yeah, right. And sometimes it's not always something that'll necessarily show up, um, quote unquote, on screen for him personally. I think mm-hmm. it it made you know the others around him, uh, uh, you know, gravitate towards him as well. And I just think he, I think he exuded a lot of confidence in the role. Um, yep. and 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 sometimes confidence doesn't always have to be so outward. It can be understated and and really followed through. And in a lot of ways, that's who Shang-Chi is in the comics. He's not like some really cocky, mm. like uh fighter dude. He's a dude that, like, I know I can kick ass, I know I can do this, but I ain't gotta I ain't gotta strut my stuff like that unless I absolutely have to. And, and I think, think no, that's how he did it. I yeah, was gonna say, I also think that you mentioned how he was on off on and offset. Like, I think that um, while great movies are made plenty of times and actors hate each other, um, when I read <laughs> that they celebrated uh, Manger Zhang's wedding to the fight choreographer by Aquafina took them all to Disneyland, like that wasn't surprising <laughs> at all. Like, you can just right, you can right. feel like I think that I really any movie that's supposed to be funny, I think it's just really hard to have the lightness that this movie has yes. without a like really strong person at the, t- they always say the person at the top of the call sheet sets the tone and clearly right. the fact that Simu Liu was having the time of his life making this movie, it really, really shows. Yeah. No, no. Um, full agreement across the board. Uh, I think even though he wasn't, as Jake mentioned, a real known property, uh, I think all of us kind of just had this confidence of not worrying. Like of all the question marks we'd have about Shang-Chi, we, I think there was a confidence that no matter what, Simu Liu was just going to come through. Yes. Like he yeah. was just going to deliver on whatever we needed from him in ways that to both of your points, 
didn't mean he had to be the center of the center of attention. He didn't have to like take the full spotlight, but he was just going to carry this through in whatever way required of him. But no, really good, um, really good job uh, on it. I think what we can say coming out of this is, uh, is it fair to say across um, the three of us, a real good confidence that he'll hold his own against the other Avenger actors? 100%. Yeah, easy. Exactly. Easy. Right. He's gonna be good. He's gonna yeah. be good. I, I expect a lot of good things from him. Go um, All right, and thank you, Jake, for bringing it up because it, it is one of those things that like <laughs> it's 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 underappreciated because he's just like it's it's kind of like it's like a LeBron twenty seven seven and seven. Like it just yeah, like yeah, and, and yeah also, he's great. we know he's great. <laughs> what, a, what a gigantic W for Canada! Like you really, yeah. 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 I mean, like this movie hey. really hits a lot of quadrants. I mean, it's got the Hong, it's got Tony Wong, it's got a Canadian. Um, is he is he um Chinese? Uh, Canadian? Or is he? Yes. Yeah, I didn't He's know if he was Chinese. Taiwanese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's really just a lot of. I feel like this. Oh, a that's lot a good question. I'm not sure specifically which, but yeah, I think yeah. he. I think he was. I looked it up. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, and also, I mean, really, just I don't know if you saw this going on today that uh people found out that he did stock photo modeling. Before oh yeah oh but actor. like all yeah. that is like in yeah. no way <laughs> no well, um so he's he's chinese he's from china no no no. what i was gonna say is that um yeah. that he did the stock photo modeling so people were doing memes about shang chi with like him like being a stock model and like pointing on a computer it's like he and he actually posted one where him like laughing pointing off screen and he tweeted it with like, the caption of like when people said that we would underperform um that's just great. great stuff well I, I think that's also a fun thing about not just a person like with his personality, but also like kind of his age too. Like yeah. he is someone unlike, I guess our OG group of Avengers who kind of, who do lean on like a few years older um, that are really connected. Like even mm-hmm. when you think about like a uh, Robert Downey Jr. who was so connected mm-hmm. to fans, like there wasn't a ever a feeling of him being on the same level with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think there is some of that here, which is really great. Yeah. Um, Agreed. All of that said now, uh, final thoughts. I'm going to start with you, Jake. Great movie. Really, mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. It really felt going back to form with the MCU. Like it answered the question, which I didn't really think need to get answered, but everyone's just like, well, what are, is, are they going to do another big Endgame thing soon? Or whatever. It's like, they can just do shit like this for a while. And like, obviously they're going to yes. be doing more interconnected stuff with Spider-Man and with Doctor Strange. But like, it's good to know that Marvel still can just be like, we can just do one of these and mm-hmm. like, you'll enjoy it. And I think that you could have a mix and I'm, I'm, gonna, I, I'm just I'm not worried it. about how I'm not worried about Marvel's ability to go back to being more small stakes in some movies. Cause clearly they could still do it. And it wasn't like kind of whether it was a good or bad thing. Like when you look at an act three, it's like, it didn't even see, it was, wasn't small. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. You're right. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I want you to add another note to this just because we haven't gotten a chance to do this. Um, rankings. So I, we, we have been talking about this. It's such a funny thing. Like it was so much easier to do rankings when we were watching them like week after week. (laughs) And we can definitely include these in the larger set of rankings. And, you know, uh, listeners, please do share your thoughts too. We've, I've seen a couple of tweets already pop up Mm -hmm. from various followers and listeners of the show Mm -hmm. um, of where they see it. So I think we're going to look at this in two different ways. Uh, I shout out AC for the idea for the second way that we want to, but first of course, we want to see how we feel about this in the larger MCU rankings, but let's start a mini ranking because we've had this much time in between and we're almost starting a post um, end game or like going into phase four era. So uh, first thing I want to confirm, Black Widow is our first phase four film or is it uh, 
No Way Home, or is it uh, Far From Home? Uh, Black Widow is the first phase. Black Widow. So Far From I Home think, is the end of phase three. Right. And so we're going to look at our rankings, I think, moving forward for the next little bit until like what we call our big event, whatever we want to say, or whenever we decide. Uh, we'll look at our rankings in the larger sense of um, all our MCU films, of which there feel like it feels like there are like 200 of them at this point. <laughs> and we're going to look at it in terms of our phase four rankings. So um, I'm going to start with phase four. Uh, Jake, I'm going to. This is say number one. Probably- Number one, number one with yeah. Black Widow is number two. number two. Yeah. And then where do you see Black? Uh, what do you see? Sorry, not Black Widow. Where do you see um, Shang-Chi in kind of your larger rankings? I put it at number 10 okay. um, between Guardians of the Galaxy, which is nine, and Black Panther, which is number 11. Now, I might change that. Obviously, I think that I'm, I always will put a movie probably higher when I first see it. Yeah. Um, but um, it's, you know, uh, I really enjoyed it and I thought it was super, super solid. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, yeah, so definitely it, it's only going to stay in the top like 12. Sure. Um, AC, uh, final thoughts, and then you can give us some uh, rankings at the same time. Well, honestly, this film was it was a great film. I think you can't say enough about just really the complete performance by everybody from cast to director to everything. Um, the story was wonderful and it just gave you that feeling. I remember leaving Black Panther the first time and the feeling that it gave me. Mm-hmm. And this gave me a similar feeling, like one of just unbridled joy. So mm-hmm. like yeah. I I like I love this movie a ton. I watched it again today and still felt the exact <laughs> same way that. I felt That's about great. the first time. I'm excited to see it again for sure. Yeah. So like I think from from that aspect it. Uh, as a solo entry it's up there like it's really up there um in terms of the overall rankings i have it in my top 10 now it's i have it um actually i have it right uh, in between um endgame and black panther because i did i did do some i did do some uh uh ranking changings uh when you guys did it it on the black panther is i have it ahead of black panther and behind endgame yeah 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 uh i just like there's something to be said for when something grabs you and makes you feel a certain way. And mm-hmm. this movie made me feel a certain way. And it reminded me of that time. So, yeah, I think there, obviously, um, that's where it's at in, in terms of the top 10. But mm-hmm. like if you want to go phase four, obviously just movies, um, <laughs> it's the first one and Black Widow's the next one. But I do have a phase four overall rankings. And um that one's a little interesting because as much as I love this movie and I really, really love this movie, I couldn't put it at number one in phase four because I, I Loki, I would have put Loki was just it too good. Oh, are we, are it was we, just, wait, are you including Disney Plus shows? I, yeah, I have. I have oh, all of phase four. I have all I, of phase four. I don't have. You I guys didn't have to do that. Yeah. This is only this was a me thing. Yeah. Only because I think the TV and movies are such different animals. Yeah. They're different. Because, but I did. I enjoy Loki more than this movie. Yes, but that's unfair because Loki was six episodes. It's completely, long. Yeah. I, Absolutely. I don't, it's a I, different. It's a different thing. <laughs> I completely understand it. I'm not holding you guys to the fire. I just felt I, okay, like necessary I, I, to I say. Will, I will say for your own personal rank, of course, do whatever you want. I'm going to say for yes. MC University rankings, we're not cl- counting Disney Plus shows. They can't. Oh, be it's all good. There. All good. All good. I, it just it makes no sense when you have something that is allotted like 10 hours of time to build up versus like a movie. Like just it's completely different in how you can measure them. 
Well, I, I will say a shout out to Michael Springthorpe because mm. like he has done this on, on the Discord. He's shown us his like overall MCU rankings, like including like the all Disney properties. Plus show. Yeah, all like all properties mm. in the MCU, like all of them. So I think from from that standpoint, like that's where that's where the inspiration comes from me to like completely break all fair. the stuff in phase four, but we ain't got yeah. it. And, and honestly, it's completely understandable given that he and I almost always disagree about the way to do lists. And so I'm not surprised that he thought that was an acceptable <laughs> thing to do. Jake, uh, like we'll leave it to democratic films only. Yeah. Films only. Films only I think right. it's interesting oh, yeah, to talk good, about. Good. Um, but uh, like, yeah, I, I like not because there've been so few, like I know my answers would, would be if you put a gun to my head, but I just don't think that that's like, you know, because it also, I think it's just so different when not even just the actual amount of time that the show is, because Loki ultimately, you know, uh, is not like it's not 10 hours long. But I think just the part of right. it, the anticipation week to week is just a different sensation of watching a film. So, yeah, I, it, like it's I, I just can't look at them the same. <laughs> like it, the, the way that the storytelling like gets to get played out, just it's completely like, you have to do things so differently that you have no choice but to feel differently about them, too um but yeah. all that said completely fair loki was fantastic um yeah for me uh i've said everything already i just i was so thrilled i can't wait to watch it again um it's it's gonna be very um i am really interested to see like how this like kind of like as i'm like more sober to the excitement of everything not just like new marvel new like being back in the movies all this um, just like how we look back at it. Cause I think what does happen, uh, and I, I discovered it so much when we've been recording this is like the new Marvel movie more often than not is like the most exciting thing that I will probably rank it higher than I, uh, want to, but I actually am in the same boat as, uh, all of you top 10 for me. I have it eighth between, I did some tinkering around. I have, I have moved winter soldier ahead of civil war. It is a better film. I just, I'm such a sucker for Spidey that Look I was like, I had it the you. other way around. But it's between uh, Winter Soldier and Civil War for me. So Shang-Chi's right in the middle. I do have it also ahead of uh, Black Panther. Um, kind of in the same, like, I, I think it's a good mention, not just because of, like, obviously the whole representation side of it, but, like, uh, they really did give similar feelings. I truly believe, and that's something I did not really feel coming out of Black Panther. I thought it was a good film. I just didn't feel the rewatchability about it that I do feel with Shang-Chi. Like I feel coming out of this, like I'm willing to go back and watch it again. Whereas I think that's like, for Black Panther, um, I loved the film. I didn't necessarily want to, like, I didn't have a feeling like I need to go back and see this again. Like these particular yeah. moments or scenes and things like that. Um, but uh, the other kind of mini mention, um, we didn't mention her. And it's almost like for the same reasons, just cause like, you know, she's gonna come through. Uh, Michelle Yeoh as Jenna. Oh, like, yeah. oh yeah. Yeah, yeah she's great. Or reliable. Like, um yeah just yeah. you know like there, there's not much that we need to say about it as apart from the fact that like she's great and if you're going to put her in something she's going to be great yeah so uh shout out to her um yeah i guys i'm so excited that we got to talk about a marvel film again yeah, um, rules. a little old school baby i know right <laughs> uh well listeners thank you so much for uh listening to this again we have a patreon where we'll be where we will be doing a ton of other content we also you know, Marvel is just ramping up and it's going to be more and more. We have What If that we are continuing through uh, through this series and we're going to have another episode for that coming later this Zombies. week. Zombies. 
zombies this week. It's zombies this week. All right. Oh, um, but boy. until that next time, <laughs> let's go around the room. AC, where can people find you? You could find me on Twitter at Anthony Canton underscore three. I want to shout out a couple of things. Obviously, I'll repurpose the uh, Murphy's Multiverse piece interview with Fala Chen. Mm-hmm. Do take a read. Very, very fascinating individual. Very awesome character as well. Um, also, super huge shout out to our our host that filled in last week, Stephanie Williams, Dalvin yes. Osorio, and Shivani Banfall for the What If episode, The Multiverse. And shout out to Jake's uh, Jake's homie. Give yeah. that name again. Mosiah. He is a actor uh, and musician. And when I say musician, he's actually like legit. I think he, <laughs> uh, I, last last week, I think he passed a million streams on Spotify. He makes well, like, really go. fucking good music. So awesome. if you like Colton Mosiah, M-O-Z-I-A-H, and you might see here some more of him on the pod in different capacities because he's a big Marvel guy. But he came through the clutch when we needed a cool voiceover. I'm like, thank God I went to one of the few times that I me going to college is not just a joke where I went to college. It's not just a joke on this pod. It's like, oh, it's great to know I have a speed <laughs> dial of good actors. Absolutely. And just la- and just lastly, to continue on that point. um, Yeah. Shout out to all of them for helping us out. Um, I always feel like personally, when it comes to this universe and it's not only just that because it's easy to just go to the let's be inclusive. But I really do. I really do feel like the the interconnectivity of what the three of us have done to this point and allowing us to extend it to other people has been an important part of making us feel good about this show and mm-hmm. making other people feel good about this show too so like i, I, I hope that yeah we, we never went into this to have people listen to our show but that people not just that we have people listen but that like as far as we can see and tell like just really good people that we love being associated with and i think that's exactly what's been wonderful about the whole experience um jake you can follow me on Twitter at the Jake Christie. Listen to my other podcast, No Funk and Strictly Monk, where I talk about the show Monk with Andre Barrera. Um, and yeah, I just I want to echo what you said about the community. I remember that it's funny we all met in a chat because we were, as I was joked about, we were. Uh, if you want like a rap group Wikipedia page on the side, it will say like associated acts and list other rappers. <laughs> and I always say that we were associated acts of a podcast. And I'm very mm-hmm. proud that I think we can say that we have associated acts like Dalby and Steph, cool. yeah, uh, Shivani, yeah. Springthorpe. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all associated. And so I really feel proud about that. And yeah, and just to echo one more thing about the Patreon, um, the Discord is the big thing. I think that is just yes, a ton of fun. Completely. We've had tons of conversation about Shang-Chi, and I think that it really informs what we talk about on here. And so, yeah, I would love to see anyone who loves this pod, anyone who's made it this far, I guarantee you, you'll have a great time at the Discord because it's such a nice community because it's all good vibes. Yes, completely. Yeah, great vibes. And again, you can find that Discord at MC or sorry, at patreon.com slash MC University pod. If you sign up for there, you can join the Discord. Again, there's a ton of extra content. I won't uh, belabor it by mentioning everything I mentioned at the top, but it's worth listening to. It's fun to be a part of. Check it out if you are interested. But otherwise, regardless, thank you so much for the support. You can follow our show at uh, MC University pod on Twitter. Uh, you can find me uh, currently at Jumby Lime, but it's always free Black Dragon Roll, even if they never free Black Dragon Roll. But all that said, uh, guys, super happy to do this with you. Listeners, super happy to have you listen to this and be a part of it. Share all your thoughts with us. We love interacting. Uh, and thank you.